It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Calcio Podcast. This is a podcast devoted to Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you once again for listening. We have a bit of a shorter episode for you today with no Serie A matches to preview or review, but I think you'll still enjoy it. Last episode, we reviewed the decision of the National Sports Court of Appeals. Today, we'll cover the reaction from various people to that decision. I'm also going to talk a little bit about the situation with Granada and La Liga, because I think there are some interesting parallels there, so we'll do that in part one. In part two, I'll provide an update on the transfer rumors that have surfaced with the winter transfer window quickly approaching. And in part three, I'll give you the latest on the players we currently have on international duty, because we have quite a few of them away from Napoli. Okay, so I want to start with the update on Napoli's appeal to the National Sports Court of Appeals. Last episode, we provided a summary of the decision of the court to uphold the decision of the sports judge to penalize Napoli with a 3-0 defeat to Juventus and to deduct a point from the standings. We recorded shortly after that decision was released, so we didn't have the reaction to the decision from various people yet, so I'll go over that today. I'll start with Napoli's lawyer, Mattia Grassani. Speaking to Ryan News 24, he said, It is a very tough picture of unusual gravity that Napoli sends back to the sender. It is a harder and heavier sentence than the first degree one, and we are very sorry because we thought we had put on the table during the trial papers and documents to convince the judges that Napoli could not play that game and not that we refused to do so. Grassani added, A license of unfairness and treachery emerges that indignates everyone from President De Laurentiis to the last of the warehouse workers. Napoli had no choice in those excited hours on the eve. We had the provisions and ordinances of two ASLs and the Campania region that prevented traveling. Napoli does not give up and will never give up. It is a pronouncement that offends us. We will appeal to the third degree of sports justice, which is the Coney Guarantee College, 
and also possibly to Justice Administrative, i.e. TAR and Council of State. Before I get to Coney and TAR, I want to address the indignation that Grassani refers to. Even when I read the decision, I couldn't help but notice that there was a very scolding tone to it. The court essentially ruled that Napoli pre-planned not to attend the match, and I don't know if the court president Piero Sanduli was therefore so annoyed or so offended or perhaps so disgusted that Napoli would appeal this decision, but these were some of the words used in the decision. They refer to Napoli's umpteen request for clarification. They say that Napoli are not entitled to make up the rules themselves. They say that Napoli were not respectful of the entire sporting system and especially of the other Serie A clubs. They say Napoli deserved the sanctions they were imposed on them. And then the closing sentence says that Napoli's behavior was a clear violation of the fundamental principles on which the sports system is based, that is loyalty, correctness, and honesty. Now, the decision cited three reasons why the court believed Napoli never intended to dispute the match against Juventus, or as they put it, why they believed that at the very least Napoli were creating an alibi or pre-planning their excuse for not playing the match. The first was that Napoli's umpteen request for clarification could only mean that Napoli did not intend to play the match. Anyone who studied philosophy or logic knows that that is a logical fallacy. The specific fallacy in this case is what is known as the straw man fallacy, which is to oversimplify an opponent's viewpoint and then attack the hollow argument. The example given on the Purdue Online Writing Lab is the following. People who don't support minimum wage increases hate the poor. In that example, the author attributes the worst possible motive to an opponent's position. In reality, however, the opposition probably has a more complex or sympathetic argument to support their point. By not addressing those arguments, the author is not treating the opposition with respect or refusing their position. I contend that, like in this example, the court attributes the worst possible motive to Napoli's position. In reality, however, Napoli probably had more complex and sympathetic arguments to support their point, namely that they legitimately sought clarification during a period where no one seemed to know how the rules worked or who had the highest authority. The second reason was the cancellation of the flight. This was a point that the sports judge made in the original ruling, and my response to this, which turned out to be the club's response as well, was that a new flight was readily available and easily could have been booked. And the third reason, and the one that the court claimed was the most damning, was that Napoli also cancelled the swabs that were scheduled for the day of the match. This one, I think, is still a bit up in the air. Giuseppe Portella, who's the professor of pathology at the University of Napoli, Federico Due, and who oversees Napoli's testing, gave an interview to Radio Kiss Kiss where he explained that the club never cancelled the tests. He said that Napoli's health manager, Dr. Raffaele Canonico, arranged for swabs to be done on Sunday in Torino, and that the club merely warned the lab that the test would no longer need to be done because the ASL blocked the club's departure. So just like with the original decision, I think there are certainly grounds to continue with the appeals process. The next level in that process is Coney. Angelo Maietta, a lawyer for the Coney Guarantee College, spoke about the process and this case to Radio Punto Nuovo. He explained that the College of Guarantee of Sports is the last level of judgment, The first step is for the board to determine if the appeal is admissible. If the appeal is admissible, then there are three possible outcomes. One, the appeal can be rejected. Two, the appeal can be accepted and the board either partially or fully annul the sentence. Or three, the board could send it to the federal court of appeal. If Coney believes that the rules were violated, but there were extenuating circumstances, then Coney can soften the sentence as well. To me, that's probably the most we can hope for. I don't think it would be a huge stretch for Coney to rule that Napoli violated the rules 
but because of the circumstances, the deduction of a point is a harsh penalty. Even though Mayeta said that Kony is the final level of justice, he also said that there is one more avenue available, as did Grassani, which is the Lazio TAR. TAR stands for Tribunale Amministrativa Regionale, which means Regional Administrative Courts. However, the admissibility criteria for the TAR are even more narrow than those for Kony. There's also the option for Napoli to take the FIGC to court for reputational damage, which, given the tone of the National Sports Court of Appeals decision, would not be completely unwarranted. Finally, Mayeta said that if the College of Guarantee meets within two weeks, he thinks that everything will be resolved by Christmas. As far as the legal system is concerned, that's actually pretty quick, especially in Italy, the reason being that the decision must be made during the current sports season. So those are the next steps, which Grassani confirmed that Napoli would pursue to the very end. The last thing I'll say is for those who might be thinking, why us? We're not the only ones dealing with a situation like this. Granada are dealing with a similar situation, possibly a worse situation in La Liga. I'm going to share what's going on there because it actually made me feel a tiny bit better about Napoli's situation. I don't happen to just know this story. I'm taking it almost verbatim from the Spanish football podcast, which is one of my go-tos for news from La Liga. Granada lost to league leaders Real Sociedad at the weekend. Prior to the match, Granada requested that the match be postponed because they didn't have enough players. The league rejected the request saying that they do have enough players. So here's why Granada requested the match be postponed. Bear in mind that the COVID protocols differ slightly between leagues as well. Over an 8-day period, Granada had 10 positive cases between players and staff, but only a couple were players. Then they traveled to Cyprus to play their Europa League match, and another player tested positive. The coach and the assistant coach did not travel for that match because their tests the day before were inconclusive. Upon return, the coach is confirmed positive, and per La Liga rules, if you have more than three positive cases in 72 hours, this counts as an outbreak. So the rules say, when you go to Real Sociedad on Sunday, you are not allowed to travel with anyone unless they are negative and have antibodies, or they are negative and did not go to Cyprus. Because Granada were planning on going straight from Cyprus to San Sebastian, which is where Real Sociedad play, they took even more players with them, including two B-team keepers. So on Saturday, Granada informed the league that they don't have enough players to play because only nine players meet the league's criteria, and of those nine, one was suspended for the match, one just returned to the squad after missing three weeks due to COVID, and three players picked up knocks in Cyprus. The league said, yes you do, because you only need 13 players between the senior team and the youth team combined, and only five of them must have first team contracts. Also, you can only apply force majeure, there's that term again, if it's related to COVID and injuries are not COVID related. Granada were furious, they requested the intervention of the local health authorities, but the league insisted they must play. Sound familiar? So Granada show up with 19 players, only 7 of which are first team players, including some of those that they originally claimed were not fit to play, and the other 12 are mostly youth players that have never played for the senior team. Granada go down 2-0 within half an hour and the match is pretty much over. At halftime, they remove two of those first team players who were not fit to play. So they now have only five first team players on the field, which is the minimum. In fact, normally the minimum is seven, but that requirement was reduced to five because of COVID. But with 14 minutes remaining, Granada remove another first team player. So they now have only four on the field. So they now have an ineligible team. Now, some believe this was done in protest because Granada knew that the penalty for breaking this rule would be an automatic 3-0 loss, 
which is only one more goal than they were already losing by, and the fines are relatively insignificant. So obviously this is not the same thing that Napoli went through. Granada still played their match and they requested postponement, whereas Napoli at least claimed that they were not permitted to travel. But in both cases, you have a club saying that they could not play and the league insisting that they could. In both cases, you have the league effectively saying, these are the protocol you agreed to, so you must follow them. Both cases are precedent setting, and in both cases, even though the rules were merely being enforced, it just did not feel right. So that will do for part one. In part two, we'll provide an update on the transfer market. The Serie A winter transfer window will run from January 4th to February 1st, so we're about a month and a half away and already the transfer rumors are beginning to pick up steam. It's probably no surprise that Arkadouj Milik has more rumors surrounding him than any other Napoli player, if you can even call him that. One of the rumors floating around is that Inter are interested, and that Inter may be willing to swap a player for Milik, whose value of course will be much less now than it was before the start of the season. Matias Vecino was previously linked to Napoli, but with the signing of Timoe Bakayoko, Vecino is no longer required. According to Tuto Sport, Inter could look to exchange either Christian Eriksen or Raja Nengolan to play as the backup to Dries Mertens in the number 10 spot. If I had to choose between those two players, my preference would actually be Nengolan. I just think that Gattuso would eat Eriksen alive. When I watch him play, he just does not seem to work hard, which is why I think he's struggling to get time under Conte. The other issue is Inter paid around 20 million euros for Eriksen, which was considered a COVID discount at the time, so I expect Inter are going to be looking to get at least the same on a sale of Eriksen. Meanwhile, Napoli were willing to take around 20 million euros for Milik before the season started, so at most he'll be worth half of that in January. That means on a swap, Napoli would need to pay at least 10 million euros for Eriksen. There was some speculation that if Maurizio Sarri joined Fiorentina, then Milik could follow him there, but we now know that Cesare Prandelli got that job, and Napoli tried to sell Milik to Fiorentina in the summer, but the poll refused the offer. The vice president of the Polish Football Federation, Marek Kuzminski, spoke to Radio Kiss Kiss about Milik. He said both the club and the player are losing out at the moment. He added that Poland needs Milik in top condition and that the player is not happy with everything that is going on around him. He doesn't smile anymore. I have no sympathy for him. If the reports were true, he had plenty of opportunities, first of all, to renew with Napoli and second of all, to sign with other clubs. But he was pretty picky with whom he wanted to play for. Finally, Kuzminski confirmed that there have been talks with many teams, but primarily Inter and Fiorentina, though I don't know how he would know that unless Milik himself told him. Another player that Tuto Sport are linking to Inter is Nikola Maksimovic. Like Milik, Maksimovic is another player whose contract expires in June of 2021. I think this is one of those rumors where the media are looking at an Inter team that are struggling to defend at the moment, and then looking at an Napoli squad that have an abundance of centre-backs and putting two and two together. 
According to Tuto Sports, Maximovich's agent, Fali Ramadani, is asking for a four-year contract at 2.5 million euros per season, which is certainly affordable for a club like Inter. So far, Milik and Maximovic are the only players rumored to leave the club. There are a couple of interesting young players that Napoli have been linked to sign. One of them is Anderlex Marco Canna. He's an 18-year-old defensive midfielder that recently got the call-up to the Belgian U21 squad. We're probably set at that position at the moment, but we'd have a few years to groom him to be first-team ready, at which point Diego Deme will be around 30 years old, so that could actually work out. The other young player is Leeds United keeper Ilian Meslier. Leeds signed the 20-year-old Frenchman from Lorient for 4 million euros, and he's now become the starting keeper for them. Finally, the other name that has resurfaced is Luka Jovic, who seems to have fallen out of Zinedine Zidane's plans at Real Madrid. Jovic has played a total of only 149 minutes in 9 La Liga matches this season. But again, I don't think there's much merit to this rumor. We've already signed Victor Osman as striker, and we have Patania as a backup, so striker is not the position we need to be spending money on right now. The last thing I want to touch on is a couple of possible renewals. The first is of the Mr. Gennaro Gattuso. It is widely expected that Gattuso will renew his contract with Napoli. In fact, it is believed an agreement is already in place and simply has not been announced yet. The reports are that Gattuso would be extended to 2023 and that his pay would increase to 1.9 million euros to the end of this season and then 2.2 million euros for the balance of the contract. Apparently, there was a snag on a possible 10 million euro release clause but Gattuso and De Laurentiis worked that out between themselves without the intervention of sporting director Cristiano Giuntoli or head of operations, sales and marketing Andrea Chiavelli. Gattuso supposedly told De Laurentiis that when the club no longer trusts him, he will resign and not ask for any exit bonus. The other renewal that hangs in the balance is that of the club captain Lorenzo Insigne, who's currently under contract until 2022. About a week and a half ago, Insigne's agent Vincenzo Pizzacani spoke to Radio CRC, where he confirmed that so far, there has been no meeting to talk about a renewal, nor is there one currently scheduled. So that will do for part two. In part three, we'll talk about our players that are currently on international duties. Siamo nati e cresciuti a Napoli. Per noi non è solo una squadra di calcio, è una città. Napoli è identità. Napoli corre, lotta, si ribella. Napoli è bella. Qui non sei mai solo. Qui puoi tutto. Qui puoi spiccare il volo. E allora, tutti insieme, cantiamo in coro. close the pod with an update on our players that are currently playing abroad. We're recording this episode on Saturday night, so by the time you hear this, some of those players may have played additional matches, which we'll cover next episode. 
15 Napoli players plus Arcadouche League are currently on international duties, so let's start with the African Cup of Nations. On Wednesday, Kaladu Koulibaly played the full 90 minutes to help Senegal to a 2-0 win over Guinea-Bissau. The second leg of this tie will be played on Sunday. And on Friday, Victor Osimhen played for Nigeria against Sierra Leone. Osimhen scored a goal and assisted two more. He also had a header goal off the upright and out. Then we got the big scare. Osman went down in the box in the 73rd minute and landed awkwardly on his wrist. He appeared to be in a considerable amount of pain, so much so that he needed to be removed from the pitch on a stretcher. The early speculation, probably from those images of Osman writhing in pain holding his wrist, were that he had broken his wrist. Then Omakatuba, who was the most reliable source during the Osman transfer saga, tweeted that it was a dislocated shoulder, and though Osman was in a lot of pain, he should be fine. Akatuba confirmed the shoulder dislocation in an interview with Radio Kiss Kiss as well. This is the first time that Osman has dislocated his shoulder, which is something to keep an eye on. This is the type of injury that has the potential to reoccur. Like we saw with Matthias De Ligt at Juventus, if the shoulder dislocates too easily, then surgery could be required to fix it, so hopefully we don't get to that point. On Saturday, Osman was seen in a sling and Sky Sports are reporting that he will return to Napoli in the next few days for further tests. Until then, he's considered questionable for the match against Milan. I'm sure Napoli jumped all over this opportunity to bring him back because we didn't want our players traveling abroad in the first place. At this point, I think it's safe to rule Osimhen out of Nigeria's return leg against Sierra Leone on Tuesday. In South America, David Ospina represented Colombia in a 2-0 defeat to Uruguay in World Cup qualifying. Prior to the match, El Deportivo reported that Ospina was doubtful for the match because he had picked up a thigh injury, but after some tests, he was approved to return to the squad. This match was a bit of a blast to the past, with Edinson Cavani and Luis Suarez scoring the two goals. We have a number of players playing in Europe. Elif Elmas played the full 90 minutes in North Macedonia's 1-0 win over Georgia. Elmas lined up in the 10th spot behind Goran Pandev and Ilya Nestorovsky, and he played a huge part in the goal. Elmas showcased his quick feet on the wing as well, confirming what most Napoli fans already know, which is that this kid has massive potential. With the win, North Macedonia qualified for their first major football tournament in the country's short history. Stanislav Lobotka also played in a European qualifier. Alongside Napoli legend Matic Hamsik, Lobotka helped Slovakia to a 2-1 victory over Northern Ireland to get into the tournament. Lobotka will also be in Slovakia starting 11 against Scotland in the Nations League on Sunday. Slovakia's final match of the international break is against the Czech Republic on Wednesday. So those were the meaningful matches our players were involved in. Unfortunately, we have a number of players away from matches that, in my opinion, really aren't that important, at least not in the midst of a global pandemic. Amir Rachmani and Elsie Kusai played against each other on Wednesday. This was Amir Rachmani's first game action since preseason friendlies for Napoli, and it was a bit of a derby for him. Rachmani holds passports in both Albania and Kosovo, and started his international career with Albania, but when Kosovo became members of FIFA in 2016, Rachmani was one of six players cleared by FIFA to play for Kosovo in their first competitive match. Rachmani played the entire match. After the match, he was asked about not having featured for Napoli yet. He responded, Napoli has invested a lot in me. They had a strategy to sell Koulibaly, but the coronavirus changed things. I have been told that I am an important element for this team, and my time will come soon. Kosovo will play against Slovenia on Sunday, and then Moldova on Wednesday in the Nations League. 
Kusai only played the second half of the friendly against Kosovo. His Albania squad will play against Kazakhstan on Sunday and Belarus on Wednesday. Moving on to Poland, we have two players there. I don't really consider Milik a part of Napoli as he might have picked up in the opening, but technically he still is a Napoli player. Milik actually wore the captain's armband in Poland's friendly against Ukraine on Wednesday. Piotr Zielinski also played in this match, but thankfully he only played in the first half. He spoke to the Polish media after the match. He said he was removed at the break to avoid taking any risks, but he could have played another 10 to 15 minutes. He added that the coach determines his position, but he feels more comfortable as a central midfielder half left. However, he can also play on the outside when needed. Poland will play Italy on Sunday and Holland on Wednesday in the Nations League. Speaking of Italy, we have three Napoli players on the Azzurri, Lorenzo Insigne, Giovanni Di Lorenzo, and Alex Meret. Italy played a friendly against Estonia on Wednesday. Di Lorenzo was the only Napoli player to play in the match. He played the full 90 minutes. Meret was on the bench to back up Salvatore Sirigu, and Insigne wasn't in the squad. Italy played Poland on Sunday and Bosnia on Wednesday. Two Napoli players play for clubs that have played both a friendly and their first Nations League match. Fabian Ruiz was on the bench in Spain's friendly against the Netherlands on Wednesday, but he played 56 minutes in a surprising 1-1 draw to Switzerland on Saturday. Spain actually needed a late equalizer after Sergio Ramos missed two penalty kicks in that match. Spain play against Germany on Tuesday. The other player was Mario Rui. He played the full 90 minutes in Portugal's friendly against Andorra on Wednesday. Portugal crushed Andorra 7-0 in that match. Portugal lost 1-0 to France in the Nations League on Saturday, but Rui was on the bench for that one. Portugal played Croatia on Tuesday. Dries Mertens was not in the squad for Belgium's 2-1 friendly victory over Switzerland on Wednesday, but he will be in the starting 11 that plays England on Sunday in the Nations League. There was some concern after Belgian keeper Thomas Kaminski tested positive, but that seems to have passed, and apparently Dries can actually give a decent haircut. The Belgian national team tweeted some before and after photos of a touch-up that Dries gave Jan Vertonghen with the Clippers, and I must say he did a pretty good job. Finally, Chucky Lozano flew to Austria to play a friendly between his Mexico squad and South Korea, which Mexico won 3-2. Lozano played 83 minutes in that match. Hopefully Lozano tests negative as South Korea had 4 positive cases before the match. So that's the latest on our numerous players abroad. Hopefully they can all get back injury and COVID free for our big match against Milan. That will do it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it with your friends and give us a 5-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. As always, if you need to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5, or you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. We'll talk to you again next week, but until then, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli sempre. Sulla guarda, 
Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.